Welcome back to Out of the Bubble. My name is Rachel Peru, and you are now joining the fourth series of Out of the Bubble podcast. I can't believe in the last two years I've interviewed over 40 women, and I now have another jam packed lineup full of inspiring women, all with a story to tell. So sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Out of the Bubble, and I hope you're all having a same week during lockdown i hope you all managing to find some positives and finding what works for you best to get through this because i know that we're all different this week's guest is a breath of fresh air sophie garner is a singer songwriter vocal coach she has been involved in the voice kids and she was the first person to ever sing at the o2 arena which is a pretty impressive um to go on your cv but her passion for singing and her love for helping others find their voice through singing as well is really something quite special so I'm really looking forward to Sophie. So if you're one of those people that really loves singing in the shower but has never had um, the courage to maybe join a choir this one's definitely for you. Finally we got here I have to tell everybody it's taken us about two or three weeks I've been backwards and forwards trying to sort things out but I'm so glad we finally got here. I know I was thinking is it ever going to happen and you were having house stuff weren't you and of course being on this in environment we are really at the mercy of outside influences yeah. you know cars outside yeah. <laughs> i know i had a week where the, the the house next door decided to have the the biggest kind of pneumatic drill going and it just oh, no. it just goes through your head completely so i described <laughs> in my introduction that you are a force to be reckoned with in the music industry and and the, the impact that you've had through your singing has been really something quite special. And I've recently come across you through a mutual friend and I'm fascinated by the work that you've done around your singing. But if you start <laughs> right back at the beginning, and I'm sure lots of people are gonna be able to resonate this, when you were at school and you had this passion for music and singing, it wasn't necessarily encouraged from a young age, was it? No, no. I think, you know, back in the day, and I'll rem- I remember this so instinctively. In middle school, you'd come in, and, and they still do this now, so you line up, and <clears throat> normally the younger children come in first, and the teacher goes, now sit down. And then the upper years would be at the back. So we'd come in, and it would be like, oh, God, it's school assembly. Oh. And everything was very religious. And I'll never forget, so one of the songs was... Um, all over the world, everywhere, where we're living. And when I needed a shelter, were you oh, there? Yeah, were that one. And the creed, and the, he's got the whole world. And you, it was so boring, and you couldn't be expressive. It all had to be sung in a very, very reserved way. <laughs> and, you know, that was it. That was music. And then, you know, you'd have the real, like, fuddy-duddy, bearded, brine nylon-shirted, brown-tied, um, like, sort of slightly hippie, but very academic, like the ones you'd get on the science programmes in the 70s. And yes. music was taught, you know, this is the crotch. And it was all just so boring. And ironically, I actually didn't do music at middle school because or upper school actually because it was so uninspiring so i did drama so drama was where i come and i needed it i think because that allowed me to express myself physically and vocally yeah whereas music was all 
it wasn't about the physicality do you know what i mean so yeah. i was able to get aggression and emotions which of course when you're a teenager it's the most horrendous time you're discovering you you're kind of going oh mom i don't need you oh mom i do need you yeah. oh i want a boyfriend do they love me don't they love me who's my best friend oh you were my best friend last week now you're not you know it's full of insecurities so drama was an absolute lifeline for me and at that time i started creating and I've still got it now. I've got this red book, which was my book of emotions. It's, I mean, red, probably a quite poignant colour because mm. it's, you know, angry. So I just literally divulged everything to this book and my truth and angst and anxiety and emotions. And, and I've still got the book. And that contained everything that I couldn't express verbally to friends or to parents. And so writing songwriting poetry writing was a really powerful powerful thing mm. and still is you know yeah. uh, i've come full circle as a, a professional singer and songwriter i'm still able to execute those emotions and you know let's be honest a good songwriter that's what they do they tell a story yeah that the listener has to try and unravel hopefully beyond i love you and you love me <laughs> oh happy happy we will you know <laughs> A Disney Channel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so at what point did you, did you just know, did you have this something in you that you just knew that that's what you were destined to do? Totally. Like, innately. I'll never forget. So my first, my first dramatic role <laughs> was at the age of, I think I was either five or six, and I played Snow White but it was Snow White and the 25 dwarves because the teacher had to make sure every child in their class. So, you know, we, we ended up with every emotion. I mean, literally talk, yeah. talk about milking it. Yeah. And, and I got the role and I ended up, obviously times must have been hard because they didn't give me a proper dress like she wore. So I had to wear the bridesmaid dress from my auntie's wedding that Aww. still fit me from a year before, which was blue light blue with white right. flowers i mean completely unsnow white yeah and there's this um scene and i look over the wishing well and i can't remember what, how it went but that was my big song and it was like i just loved it it was just so so special and then i ended up getting the lead roles in king edward school in Bury st edmunds I'd, I'd get the lead role for everything and it was the only thing i was good at mm. i was rubbish at everything else knew I was, I was probably one step away from being put in what would now be the, you know, one-to-one tuition, being a statement teacher. I was just on the verge and I think it was my creativity that saved me Mm. and kept me in the regular class, but I was flying by the seat of my pants. I used to copy my my friends, you know, stuff next door. I'd be like, what are the answers? You know, and and the teachers all knew that. They They all knew that I was messed up and mm. and struggling so I just literally fueled everything into acting and and singing and thank goodness for that and for yeah. an understanding drama teacher that allowed me to just release that so I, I knew I knew I was going to be a singer and actress I love that I, knew it. I love that because I, I, I did I did um, drama a level and I absolutely loved it and that's where I really and I was really I lacked confidence I was very shy but the drama class was my space to almost pretend I was somebody different or, or perhaps yes. actually not somebody different, probably the person that I really was inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
but then life got in the way and I didn't pursue it. So I love the fact that you knew and you were dead set on what you wanted to do and you didn't let anything else get in the way and stop you. And look what you've gone on to achieve. Yeah, and I did actually go back to school. I went back to kegs, as it's fondly known, not King Edward VI kegs. Um, I went back there 15 years ago and I went up to the reception and I said, and it was really different because, of course, back in the day, you just walk into a school. Now there was all buzzers and... You know, it was like, yeah. wow, kegs is all secure and proper. So I, I, they let me in and um, the receptionist said, can I help you? I said, yeah. I said, um, I was in the class of 89 here. And I said, and I, I wondered if any of the following teachers are still here. So I listed off all my teachers because I haven't forgotten their names. Mm. And she, I said, oh, Mrs. Tyler, she went, well, she's now the head. And she was like my head of years. She's now the head. Um, Mr Sutton my French teacher he's here and and then and I've I've now forgotten the other one's name because obviously perimenopause yeah see? tell me no, about it I know I remember his name I can see him I just said that I remember all their names so I've forgotten his name but anyway she said he's here and he's retiring today oh I know and and um she went who should she went do you want to see them I went I would love to she went I'm now going to buzz them and I, I she said who shall I say is here I went don't I said just say the punk of 1989 is here so she put me on speaker so she I could hear and Mrs Tyler went Sophie Garner and I just Aww. she came down and we both just cried Isn't that it lovely? was so it was so emotional and it was all filmed and we just hugged making me emotional now and I said to her I went I'm so sorry for being a nightmare Mrs Tyler she went call me Jane I went I can't you're my teacher <laughs> she went Sophie we all knew what was going on and we just tried to do the best I said but I was a nightmare I caused so much trouble she went it's okay and that was real healing for me and she took me around the school and the most emotional thing was I went and sat in my seat in my classroom and I just bawled my eyes out because it was all real again yeah you know just incredible so that put a lot of <clears throat> put a lot of ghost to rest and do you really think special. that's do you think that's why you now have such um an affinity with teaching younger people in schools about seeing Absolutely. and about the absolutely yeah completely because it it's an i'm i'm an empath in the truest sense that i and much to my detriment really i feel it i can walk into a room and i can feel it and i have to really kind of do some visualization and put myself in a bubble to protect because i i can literally feel what a child's feeling and i didn't yeah. understand it for a long time but i i see in children what i had and i know i can help fix and so and this sounds like a paradox i suppose but in healing them it helps yeah. heal my inner child you know it's yeah. it's a beautiful exchange to watch a child that is in a school where they've let they're literally cast aside there's no hope for them everyone's given up on them but nobody's thought to find out what they might be able to not necessarily be good at but what they will enjoy that they can expressed through like a conduit and often it is music yeah. and for me I don't care if someone's good or bad at singing it's the participation in it and you know gone are the days now thankfully where the the choir leader says you can't sing which yeah. is such a loaded yeah. damaging sentence I, I teach so many adults Rachel that have been told that and they're standing in my room 
30 years later still feeling that so so powerful because i suppose vocally regardless of whether you want to sing for a living or not this is how we vocalize our emotions and who we are Mm. so when you sing to some extent it's like you're undressing and going this is this is just me i'm gonna now give you me so it's the equivalent of someone saying your tits are really gross you know someone saying you can't sing it's yeah. so damaging yeah and you're that's right and i do remember that i remember kids at school did you have a choir leader like um, that yeah i did i mean i i always loved singing in fact i did start singing i had singing lessons last year because i had lots of but i did start again because i loved it because it does make you feel good and i just wanted to know whether i could still do it because you just don't know but i do remember kids at school being picked out and saying well no you can't be in the choir and i think well now looking back that's such a bad thing to say to somebody it's like you say it so have you have you carried on with the singing lessons um no i haven't i I did lapse um so i learned a couple of songs and then i did lapse just because i my my idea was that i wanted i've got it in my head that i want to sing in public at some point in the next few years fabulous it's it's kind of a challenge in my head um i learned the marty Webb. take that look off your face okay so i really like that one my memory's gone now dusty springfield one but i can't remember the name of the song my mind my short-term memory's terrible it's horrendous isn't it yeah <laughs> so i can see the benefits of and we all talk about how everybody like loves singing in the shower no, no matter what our abilities are it makes you feel better it makes you feel good doesn't it yeah completely endorphins serotonin yeah. at what point in your career because obviously you've got you've done some pretty amazing things which we'll get to at what point did you have that moment where you thought yeah this is this is this is I've made it this is what I really wanted to to achieve it's a really interesting question when did I think okay so making I suppose is a bit of a dichotomy it's almost like a I think and what is making it Mm. do you know what I mean um like what is success Mm. I I think I knew I knew I derived in myself and I knew this is it now I can actually make a living out of this was when I was working at the body shop as a sales assistant Mm. doing people's makeup and my mum was a cleaner for a a man that basically ran all the live music at pizza express restaurants all around the country all around the country and he she said oh my daughter sings and he was like yeah yeah heard that before gave her he gave him a tape and he was in her words, blown away, couldn't believe that this voice was coming out of someone that was 19. Mm. So he asked me round and we did a a little play around experiment with music. And that was it. He said, I, I would like to kind of take you under my wing and manage you, get you out of that shop, get you singing. And the next six months, were just like this whirlwind. I was going to work at the body shop five days a week, getting home, and then four nights a week, going straight out to do a three-hour gig. Yeah. I learned 200 songs in three months. God. My, and I was literally, it was just work, home, gig, work, home, gig. And it was hilarious, because what I used to do, I was so shattered in the day. I was really close friends with <clears throat> my manager in the shop. so. She'd go, right, Sophie, go upstairs and stock take, and I'd have a little kit. <laughs> Brilliant. 
<laughs> and she and she'd shout up when she you know needed me. I mean, it, it was tiring. I really, yeah. I I worked that apprenticeship, and then I left the shop, and I've never looked back. Mm. So I'm forty-seven now. That was what twenty. God, what's that? Twenty-seven years ago, mm. something like that. Yeah. And I've never looked back. So that that was just incredible. And then yeah. I was doing jazz gigs. I had sellout nights at Dean Street Pizza Express. I've toured the world. I've had management in the Middle East. I've sung for the French president. You know, just I've, I've done it all from the sticky floor pubs to singing in front of, you know, the richest people in Abu Dhabi and Dubai. It's mm. just, and it's a humbler because you do something like that. And then you come back to the sticky floor and you go and you, you get that leveler of where you sit. Yeah. within all of that you know and being yeah. in a studio yeah. and writing songs and singing on the main stage at the o2 arena being yeah. by a week. so how did that how did that come about because weren't you the first person to sing on the o2 i was oh, i was so which cool. really it, yeah it's got me a lot of work as yeah. you can imagine because it's like a cv yeah um it was a massive gig for lloyd's tsb and it was a big corporate gig. They'd hired the entire arena and it was due to open, I think, 12 days later to the, you know, to public gigs. So mm. that was John Bon Jovi. So they had, I think, 4,000 members of staff. So the head of Lloyd's TSB was there. There were people from the States in banking and business. And there was me the sugar babes and mcfly so i went on first and i didn't realize at the time i obviously hadn't been reading the news but the, the sound engineer went you do know that you're the first artist that's going to be gracing this stage it was like wow and there was still plastic on some of the seats some of the backstage toilets in the dressing rooms didn't work and apparently in one of the dressing rooms that me and my keyboard player in Elton John was going to be using it at some point that year it was just it was great but it was just a gig do you know what I mean yeah do you do you, you say it's just a gig but so do you not suffer with with nerves about situations oh god, like god that? yeah oh god yeah it's really interesting that was a because it was a corporate gig and not a gig doing my own stuff I see it in a different mindset. For instance, I, I used to suffer horrendously with acid reflux, so much so that it resulted in having a vocal op in 2011 mm. and nearly waving goodbye to my career with an, a huge amount of loss, which we can talk about in a minute mm. if you want to. Yeah. It's, it's incredible what that process was. And I had to learn to sing again, which was horrendous. Mm. Um, but when... When I used to go on stage, I used to throw up and sometimes it would be just before going on stage, sometimes on stage and I'd have to turn around and pretend to, and I'd be facing the drummer and he'd be going, I mean, oh, horrendous, God. so hydrochloric acid coming up into my throat yeah. and then having to carry on. Gosh. So that's nerves and that would be when I would be performing my own stuff. So I was, you know, headlining at events. Yeah. That's when I would get nervous. But not yeah. because I, not nerves of am I capable of doing this or am I good enough? Just I suppose the excitement and the the tension of going out there and wanting to give a great performance. Mm. I suppose it's the pressure you put on yourself, isn't it? 
to show up the best you can be. Yeah, actors are the same, aren't they? Yeah. And you almost get off. There's a sort of it's a two way thing, isn't it? Because you want to be on stage, but you're scared, but you also love that fear, and you yes. is turning that fear into excitement. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we could all learn with that because I think fear stops so many people from doing things. But if they could try and shift their mindset into thinking it's not fear, it's something to embrace and it's excitement, then we'd absolutely over, overcome a lot more. So let's let's look at the situation where you did nearly lose your voice then, because that must have been horrific. Because that's that's your it, life. It was. It was. It was. It was the worst point. I would say <clears throat> next to having. A marriage breakup that was equal mm. so I I started noticing problems with my voice in the recording studio so at this time I was recording my solo album <clears throat> so the solo album is is the big album it's 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 what an artist does when you know they want to release their own material to the world mm. and for me we Paul and I my partner We'd invested £50,000 of our own money into this project. So we had a massive plan. We'd been in the studio for two years. A producer was the producer for Charlie XEX when she first started out. And basically in the studio, it was, what's going on, Sophie, with your voice when, you, when you're singing high? Something. And I noticed stuff was happening and I wasn't able to control it, which put the fear of life up me. You know, it'd be like, I don't know, David Beckham going, why is my left foot doing that when I go to kick the ball? Yeah. Horrendous. This, this, this instrument that I know inside out was suddenly not doing what I wanted it to do. Mm. So I went and had a strobe put down my throat and I had really inflamed vocal cords and basically there was fibrous tissue on my left vocal cord that needed to be removed. That was a whole horrendous back and forth. I ended up having, I think, seven tubes mm. um, and they couldn't get a good look because I have a, I had a hyper gag reflex. So I was, so they mm. had to put me out, which they didn't oh, want gosh. to do. Yeah. And then when I came round, the surgeon was over me and he went, Sophie, we are going to have to operate. I was still off my face on, yeah. you know, coming round. So then we had to put that time aside. Now, unfortunately, because that was right in the middle of the album, everything was affected. Mm. We'd put aside, um, I think, something like 15 grand for PR. Yeah. And I'm sure you know this. PR is expensive. You know, yeah. you're looking at on average one and a half K a month. Mm. So we would put that aside for a really good lead in yeah. to the album with a with a leading PR agency that were looking after A-listers. And so I had the op. I then had to have three months recovery. And that, that was a really interesting process. So after the op, I had a week of total silence. And when I say total silence, I mean, you know, Buddhist retreat yeah. type silence. I couldn't yeah. say a single word because the, the vocal cord surface had to heal. Mm. so I'd got a whiteboard and was writing gin bugger off <laughs> chocolate um it broke in the end because I got so frustrated I just <laughs> 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 so a PR company said 
film it because I didn't want to tell them and they were like Sophie this is PR gold dust you've got yeah. to film it and I'm like oh my goodness so we did and I got loads of followers from people going oh my god you know I'm in the industry and if anyone knew about my vocal problems there'd be this stigma no failed goods damaged goods so I had the week of silence and then Paul actually filmed me <coughs> talking for the first time and I just cried mm. then I had three months of rehab with a speech and language therapist, which meant literally going back to basics, nursery rhymes, days of the week. I mean, really basic stuff. Yeah. And what was coming out was just awful. So I then went to sing my first gig three months later and I couldn't finish the gig. I had to say to the bride and groom, sorry, but I can't, finish what you've booked me for because my mm. voice just gave up so I felt disabled yeah. and unfortunately all the money we'd put aside for PR we ended up living off so when we came back to release the album it's gone. it was over mm. so and I was I was going to be listed for B-list for radio I'd been on the radio it was all going to go and I watched it I watched it all go mm. So how did you pick yourself up after that? I, I went to a really dark place. Yeah. I went to a very, very dark place. It was awful. I became very angry, disillusioned, bitter. Um, and it took years to get through it. Mm. Because I know and knew that that was never, I was never going to get the opportunity again. Mm. And the fact that we'd spent all of that money that we weren't going to recoup. Yeah. And two years in the studio, it was just, it was like a grief. It was a bereavement. Yeah, yeah. And it almost came between me and my partner mm. because, you know, all that money. And I I was going through my own issues, you know, with, with mental health as a result of all that happening. So mm. it was a difficult time to oh, just live, really. Yeah. I lost my identity because yeah. my voice yeah. is me. You know, it's not like a guitarist that plays my instrument is in me and all of a sudden this instrument can't perform. I yeah. sound like a squeaky kid. So it took ages, but I'm now well and truly out the other side. But yeah, that was, that was really difficult. But you could have easily just packed it all in at that point though, couldn't you? You could have easily said, yeah, okay, I, I, I accept this and I'm going to have to do something different. So what, what was the thing that really got your mind thinking, okay, I can't give up on this? My love of singing. Mm. the fact that that is how I release and that eventually my voice would get better because the surgeon said you will eventually be back to a new normal yeah and I eventually picked up again started gigging but obviously as I said all that money that was put aside for the album that and you know if yeah. if you've got PR behind you you could sell a chocolate teapot yeah to a man yeah. Yeah. and and we just, we couldn't do it on our own. So we let that go. Then I started teaching. I got this offer for, for teaching in a primary school. And that opened up this whole other area, which then dovetailed with my singing career. And I've just embraced it. And I've been teaching for the last like 15 years, you know, kids, people with dementia, people with brain injury stroke children that have self-harmed you name it yeah i've done it and it's lovely yeah and it's almost like it's 
not meant to be because obviously you didn't want to go through that experience but it, it almost brings you full circle to taking all those experiences you had as a child in that environment to, to do what you're doing now which is almost like your calling absolutely yeah it feels like that it yeah. feels like that and you know and even in this lockdown which has been horrendous having to teach on zoom i've managed to write a book and you know all my energy has gone into that and i don't think i'd have been able to write that had we not yeah. been in lockdown yeah i've talked you to know, loads of people that have said they've, they've had that stuff. moment where they've stopped <laughs> to get out what they needed to get out but they wouldn't have had the time to do otherwise absolutely yeah yeah and, and obviously, you know, we, we, we can't not talk about the fact that you're involved in The Voice and, again, working with, with children. So how does that feel to, to be in that position where you can coach children on such a programme as that and then see them on the big screen overcoming that? So with The Voice, I know, with The Voice, um, and, and I felt very privileged, I, I know the, the two head coaches for The Voice very well. They're very dear friends. And one of them said to me, Sophie would love you to work with the kids because you're just going to make them feel really at ease. So I was brought in as one of the coaches at the first furlough. Is that the right word? For furlong, is it? Yeah, furlong. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting my furlough and my furlong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much lockdown. <laughs> at the first furlough so they literally I'm I'm that first rung so they come for their audition and I'm one of the coaches that is there and has the decision on whether they go through to the next stage so I am sat with, with a producer and we're there to make them feel comfortable and it's a really it's a great program they have the children's wellness at their heart it they really are looked after and nurtured mm. it's a great process you know they feel like they've come out for the day and done something even if they don't get through yeah. so i only did two seasons but it was lovely to be part of what is actually a massive team of people mm. and very carefully structured um yeah i felt really proud mm. and they're very they're very particular about the coaches that they have yeah. and quite rightly so because you know we're we're having to nurture children that yeah. as we know if they're given bad support if they if they're not given any support then they are basically going to walk out of that audition and go my life has been ruined you know yeah. and and they need yeah. to be in safe hands so that was really good fun really really good fun it seems to me that as adults, we almost need to inject some more of that, that spirit from childhood of being towards singing. It's for everybody, whether they think they can, they're a great singer or not, because it is that relief. So how do we encourage older people to get back into singing? Have you seen a rise in choirs, for instance, online popping up during lockdown? Yes. Um, so it was interesting going back for the short period we've had of returning to whatever normality yeah. is i set up a new choir i was flooded rachel i can't believe it and what was really interesting is that the dominating factor of wanting to join a choir wasn't completely singing it was i need to get out and meet people this lockdown has really affected me 
I want to just be among people, yeah. make new friends. So I think when we come out of this again, I think people, because there's so much, there's so much separation and an inability, you know, we can't hug people and hugging is how we communicate and seeing a face without a mask, you know, we need mm. to be able to read a whole face. So yeah. everything is being, is being sabotaged in the way we communicate. So I think people need to be encouraged by, by saying, come and sing just to release. Yeah. Come and sing just to let go. I think the language needs to change. And when we had the first lockdown, I lost a lot of my choir members that weren't happy to come online. And that mm. was a very difficult period. And I took it personally, mm. you know, that they weren't in it yeah. as part of the gang yeah. and the people that stayed, we've all become so close mm. We've, you know, they've had people die and we've all supported each other. Yeah. So coming on Zoom has been a lifeline, even though they've not been able to have harmonies. Yeah. They've showed up for each other. They've got a commitment to each other and to me, which is lovely. So I think now for me, it made me really reframe what I want as my tribe. So when I advertise now, I've changed my language and it's about friendship, com camaraderie. It's mm. about singing and laughter. Yeah. And they're all listed in equal measure. And as a result, lo and behold, all those people are coming. I've got a lady with chemo. And on session two, I think it was, she went, I'm going to have to go now because I've got chemo at eight in the morning. Mm. It's like, wow. Yeah. You know, and they've found another tumour, I think. And she's like, this group's really important to me. Yeah. one investment you yeah. know so special so i think people and a lot of people won't join a choir because they go oh i don't think i can sing well that's why you're coming to join a choir so i can teach you to sing well yeah you i know? get that though. i think it's quite intimidating i think uh, i mean i you know i i class myself as being fairly confident but even I, I i would love to be part of some kind of community singing thing but I always kind of think, oh, well, they've been doing it for years. They all know what they're doing. They've all, you know, kept up their singing. So, so it puts you off. So I think it is about changing the language, isn't it, around it? It is. And it's also about, I mean, I don't put up with any bitchiness or divas or clickiness. And I think a choir is a representation of you as a choir leader. Mm. It's your responsibility to set that energy up in the room. And because that's me... And that's what I would want. And I think that's what a choir need, need to, needs to ask themselves. If I joined a choir, what would I want? How would I want to feel? So mm. I've produced an atmosphere that I would want. So I have a couple of like my, um, what I call my assistant friends. So they'll take the new person under their wing and, you know, look after them while I'm dealing with everything else. Mm. And they all go, oh, wow, I feel so relaxed. Everyone's so nice because I wouldn't part with anyone that would, yeah. you know, bad mouth. They'd be out, they'd be out because it's back to that school mentality again if yeah. you can't sing. Yeah, There's yeah, no I suppose it is that. It's that fear of, oh no, they're going to put me right in the corner in the back row so nobody can hear me. Totally. <laughs> Just ask to mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. So it's, and, and, and a lot of healing goes on, you know, we've got some people that are living on their own, 
marginalized disabled not getting out there's one woman that i and we've become really good friends she's disabled she comes down in her lift to stair lift i pick her up and i'm the only person she sees every week that is it her family are up north and she said it's a lifeline you know and now we're going back onto zoom that's going to be crucial for her mental health so how could people find out about your choir well i have oh gosh well they're all over the place so how many have you got, got in total you do have quite a few don't you five right two of which so one was one is headway one was a stroke clinic but of course because of lockdown it's all gone a bit yeah school with and then there's three community choirs which are all over the place but but my website is sophiegarner.com brilliant and everything's on there i've I've got to get a website sorted for the new book that's Mm. the one thing i've got to sort out and how have you found that book process how how did you find that sitting down and writing that did you enjoy it or did you have to really push yourself to do it i loved it it was so easy because I'd started, I suppose, without knowing it, Rachel, the book was writing itself from that red book that I had yeah. as a kid. And over the years, I mean, I'm a, I'm a journal fiend. Yeah, I am. A dicker fiend. Mm. I mean, you know, th- these are just here because I'm just, yeah. I'm a stationary queen. I yeah. literally, you know, it's a, it's a written diary all the way. I, I've kept notes and books for the last, I suppose, five years is where I've gone. I want to write a book. I want to put everything that I know is foolproof that works with all the people I teach of all ages into a book. So I started making notes five years ago. And in the last year, I've been putting it into chapters. And it was so easy to do because... I know it works. I know it back to front. Mm. And I suppose the most exciting thing for me was saying to the illustrator, go to your ideas. Give me, give me the, the artwork that's going to bring my writing and narrative to life. Yeah. You know, and it's a journal. So it's not, it's not a book to read. It's a book with exercises, quotes, to do things so it's the journey that the child goes through and they fill in and and there's breathing exercises and affirmations so i'm so proud of it and i got the front cover for it through three days ago exciting i know so it's like it's all become a a reality i've just i've loved talking to you i could so much more i could have talked to you for hours this morning my last question that i ask all the guests because women are really bad at accepting compliments. So if you were to give yourself one compliment, what would it be? Oh, what? The... To yourself. Sophie, you are a five foot fire starter and you are going to change the world. Yes, I love that. <laughs> what a brilliant way to end. Love it. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you so much for joining me. And I can't wait to see your book come out. And I know how many kids you're going to be able to reach and touch. So thank you. It's been lovely. Thank you so much, lovely lady. Thank you.
So I hope you enjoyed this week's episode with Sophie as much as I did talking with her. I could have talked with Sophie for hours. What a fascinating woman. And I love the fact that she's so passionate about her singing and how the impact she's having on others, particularly children and being able to use their voice to express themselves. If it has made you want to rekindle your love for singing, perhaps you stopped after school like me and you'd like to try and give it another go. You don't have to be an expert and our well-being will massively be if we really want to try something new so why not look up and see what's going on in your community i know i'm sure there's lots of zoom choirs popped up all over the place that's something i'm going to be checking out but if it's not for you then get that music turned up in your shower sing away driving in the car have a good sing song because we know it makes us feel better enjoy the rest of your week stay positive i'll see you next week thank you for listening to this week's episode and i will be back next week with another inspiring guest and I hope you will have a great week. If you'd like to contact me, you can find me on outofthebubblepodcast.com. And in the meantime, keep being fabulous. 